Thanks for joining us here tonight. I'm so glad you've been able to make it a priority to worship with us here. And I trust you've had a great week. And as we get started, I'm wondering, have any of you ever played that game where you're given different options and you have to guess which one is not correct, okay? Do you know what I mean? Like, I've visited three places, I'm gonna tell you four, you need to tell me which one is not correct. Um, or I've met three of these famous people, um, I'm giving you four, you tell me the one that is false, okay? You know that kind of game that I'm talking about? Okay, so for all you teachers out there, there's a variation of that game that's just as difficult. Maybe you've played it before. It's, I've taught three of these four subjects or three of these four grade levels. And you know, that's a really tough game to play with teachers, I'll tell you, because most teachers have had to be very flexible throughout their careers and have shifted around and, and moved. And so, so that's a tough game to play. And I will not um, ask you to play that game with me right now. To be honest, it's probably not very fun to play a game like that when you're not face to face. Uh, but I'll just add, uh, in the spirit of that, I'll just add a little did you know tidbit uh, with you right now. Did you know that my very first teaching assignment was teaching a high school civics class. Did you know that? Um, do you even remember uh, what your high school civics class was all about? Do you know, um, do you remember sitting in that class? Do you remember who your teacher was? I'm trusting that most of you had to take that class. It was all about government, what it means to be a good citizen. And it was required, um, it was a required course for graduation as it should be. And I'll tell you, based on a lot of what I am seeing in the world going on around me right now, I wonder if there should not be some sort of requirement of continuing education in civics, right? I mean, it seems there is such a huge struggle right now in our society with what it means to be a good citizen. And for the church, there is absolutely for sure a struggle to remind us what it means to be in the world and not of the world. I could, I could just take a pause right here and we could think about that. We could talk about that for the rest of the evening. We could talk about that for week after week, what it means to be in the world and not of the world. You know, in light of in light of these conversations that we're having, it's the fact that we are called to be good citizens here on earth, right? Um, while not forgetting that ultimately our citizenship is in heaven. You know, last week I spoke about things that our society is currently struggling with, particularly when we deal with other people. Um, things like civility, things like kindness, things like empathy and compassion for others, things like preferring others over ourselves, really just a struggle to love, to be Christ-like, to serve others with excellence. We're seeing that all throughout our society right now. And so tonight, we are continuing a series entitled Christians at Our Best. And part of this series is based upon a book by Ed Stetzer entitled Christians in the Age of Outrage. And this series 
for the next several weeks, we will discuss what it means to represent Jesus Christ and his love in this polarized age that pushes people to extremes, that presses buttons, that isolates, that alienates, that puts people into tribes and camps, and you can be this or that, you fit here or there, and nothing in between. Do we, do we all understand that division is Satan's, one of his greatest tools? Um, not only against the church, but against society as a whole. And that absolutely is what the, what we are seeing take place right now, right before us. And so this series, I don't, I, I can't think of a time when it would be more timely. It is so meaningful for what we are facing as a nation and certainly for what we are facing as believers living at this time in our world. You know, we're going to talk um, all throughout this series about the fact that love <laughs> and speaking the truth in love is, is the way that, that as Christians we are called to live. And from a biblical perspective, we know that there absolutely are many issues that are worth fighting for. We'll talk about that throughout this series as well. But it must always come back to this question, how? do we fight? We talked about that last week. Um, how do we fight? If we think that we can fight spiritual battles in earthly, fleshly ways, we are sorely mistaken and we will never, ever win. We will never be victorious because spiritual battles require spiritual methods. And I shared this verse last week, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. As a Christian, I must always understand that any power or any influence I possess comes from God. It's not from doing battle in the way of the world. It's not from fighting spiritual battles with earthly tools. And, you know, I, I opened up talking about civics class and how I think we might need a refresher in that regard. I'll tell you one principle that we talked about a lot in civics was this concept of rights versus responsibilities. Rights versus responsibilities. And that's what our lesson tonight is going to be about. Folks, I will tell you this. I think that this is a very powerful lesson for the church, for believers to learn right now. Rights versus responsibilities. This, <laughs> this topic in itself could be an entire sermon series, and I'm sure we will come back to this concept from time to time throughout this study. But for now, I'd like to give you just a brief overview of, of actually what I'm referring to. You see, each person, each human being on earth was born with certain rights that were given to us by our creator. Why? Because we are created in the image of God. It doesn't matter how ugly, how mean, how nasty someone can act. That person is created in the image of God. That person is given the same rights, the same privileges by our creator. We're also given rights and privileges um, depending on where we where we live and and depending on the community norms, the community values, depending on the government, um, all of these things. Um, that's also an example of rights. But ultimately, ultimately, 
Our rights come from our creator because we are created in his image. And I'm so grateful that I live in a nation that believes that these rights are inalienable. I know there are flaws and there are shortcomings in our nation that, um, that, that we are working to address in pursuit of ensuring those rights for every person. But I absolutely believe that we live here right now in the United States in the greatest country on earth. But there is something that troubles me deeply. So many people scream so loudly about their rights, about what's afforded to them, without giving thought to the responsibilities that come with those rights. And folks, once again, I am not just talking about the world. I'm talking about the church as well. Why? Can I make it plain here? Why? Because we are human. We are people. Look at a baby. Look at a toddler. What does a toddler want? Whatever the toddler wants in that moment, that's what the toddler wants. That's what the toddler focuses on. That's what the emphasis in that moment is about. And that shows, that, that really reveals who we are as people, what we're wired, how we are wired and how we are geared. We are geared for ourselves. That's why living as a Christian, living in the way that Jesus has shown us is so countercultural because it calls us to live for others. Okay, I want to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Now, it's a little bit difficult. I'll just tell you this. It's difficult sometimes. I, the, the thing that I find hardest about preaching uh, to a camera without people in the room is I can't gauge your responses, okay? So that's a little bit of a challenge for me. Why? Because when I gauge your responses, it kind of lets me know if I'm doing too much meddling, okay? So I, I'm just going to assume that I'm not meddling here with this next illustration. I'm going to assume that this is just um, going to be a good word for somebody and it's okay to share and you'll just kind of go there with me. Um, and thinking of rights versus responsibilities, I kind of... I, I don't know. I thought about this. I thought about this for a long time. And then I saw someone um, share something along similar lines. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting that other people have thought that before. So um, this is not to bring condemnation to anyone. I'm just going to throw that out there. But I'm, I'm just going to use this as an example, okay? You can disagree. That's fine. This is this is not Bible that I'm teaching to you. I'm just trying to have an illustration, okay? So just just work with me here. If I step on your toes, forgive me. Love me anyway, and let's move on, okay? Um, now, now you're scared to death. What am I going to talk about? Okay, it's something really serious. It's shopping carts. <laughs> Have you ever been in an um, H-E-B parking lot? You loaded your car up. You took all your everything out, and um, you, 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 were, you were walking your cart back to the receptacle. Or if you were closer, maybe you walked all the way up to the door. I, I don't know. Um, but you were walking that back and, and maybe out of the corner of your eye, you saw this person who, you know, they emptied their cart out and there was an empty space beside them. So they just left the cart there and they just pulled off and they, 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 they left the cart there. Okay. Now what I read last week was, um, <laughs> that I thought was funny. You can, it said, you can tell a lot about someone's character with what they do with the shopping cart. And so there was this whole, 
there was this whole um, discussion about that and someone said, well, that's a very self-righteous thing for you to say because, um, you know, just because I don't take the shopping cart back doesn't mean that I'm not a good person or that I don't have good character. And the, the person um, went on to say, that's someone's job. I am ensuring that there will be jobs for people by leaving the cart at the receptacle. Someone's going to have a job to be able to pick that up and move that back in. And the other person then responded, well, they already have a job. They're moving it out of the receptacle into the building. Um, and you, you know, that's what they get paid for. But, but let's go back to the Let's go back to the rights versus responsibilities. You have a right to leave your cart there, but to be a good citizen, to be a good shopper at HEB, your responsibility is to do the right thing, to, to go that extra mile and put it back in the receptacle, take it back inside so that you don't have a safety issue for someone else. Or It's just, it's, it's just like the, the nice thing to do, right? It's just the nice thing to do. So... Um, so that's an example of, <laughs> that we can talk about. Now, if you are someone who leaves the leaves the cart there, I, I'm not judging you. If you want to pray about it, you can you can pray. Um, it, really, whatever illustration I have, somebody's going to be on the wrong side of it. So again, I I apologize for that. The the question here, what we're thinking about, what we're debating, what we are wrestling with in this moment is thinking of rights versus responsibilities. Um, what am I, what is, what is the minimum I can do? Okay. In terms of responsibilities, if I'm always focused on my rights, I'm going to be focused on what benefits me. But if I'm focused on my responsibilities, I'm going to be thinking about what other, how, how I can bless other people. I'm going to be thinking about how I can use my rights to the benefit of someone else. Okay. So, so that's just kind of setting it up in kind of a simple little way. And again, I wish you were here that I could gauge your faces, um, with all of that. But, but I think it's good for us to think about rights versus responsibilities from a biblical perspective and maybe um, not just thinking about in practical terms of what that looks like day in and day out but thinking about what the Bible instructs us and so first Corinthians 10 verse 23 in the New King James tells us all things are lawful for me but not all things are helpful all things are lawful for me but not all things edify or build up right? Now the NIV makes it even more plain. It says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Now folks, there's a whole lot of truth in, in those, uh, in those statements. And I hope that you can I hope you can have an honest heart conversation here with me to know that we all struggle with that. We all struggle with knowing, um, yes, I may have the right to do this. This may be something I can do, but what should I do? What step should I take? What should I do to bless someone else? You know, citizenship requires that we think before we act. And that we ask ourselves some questions like, whose well-being and rights will I be trampling upon if I assert my rights in a reckless way? 
Does that make sense? Like if, if I'm taking my rights to the extreme, I need to think about how that affects someone else because we live in community and every action that I take affects someone else. You know that old saying, no man is an island? That, that's especially true when you live in community, when you live in a nation with other people, right? So, so, so that's kind of the, that's sort of the minimum is to think about how I, how my decisions, my choices, my actions will affect someone else. And then the next layer of thinking we should be asking ourselves is how will my witness be impacted if I act in this manner? How will my witness be, be impacted or affected if I make this choice or this decision? Here's something that um, maybe you've heard this before. If you haven't, this would be a good thing to jot down, pray about this week, and really try to internalize. There's a huge, huge, huge difference between being right and having a right spirit. I'll say that again. There is a huge difference between being right and having a right spirit. That's why it's entirely possible and very common to win a battle but lose the war. So we must choose our battles wisely. Then we must choose our weapons even more carefully. We should think not simply about what we should do, what we should be allowed to do, right? That, that's thinking of only my rights, but instead we really ought to think about the sake of others. We really ought to look to ways that we can serve and benefit and bless others, not just what's in it for me. Folks, that is the cry of the flesh. That is the cry of the flesh. And I will tell you, if we're always championing, championing our rights um, above serving others, then what we're, what we're often saying is, what's in it for me? that fleshly cry that puts self above other people. And that's a, that's a dangerous place for Christians to be um, because we should be focusing on what we ought to do for the sake of others, how we ought to live so that we could be a godly example, how we ought to live for the sake of our witness, how we should, how we should act, how we should behave, how we should think for the sake of the reputation of our Lord. You know, we want the power of the name of Jesus. Folks, there's your I, I think I think it's safe for me to say you're not going to find a church that preaches the name of Jesus and believes the name of Jesus any stronger than what we do here at the sanctuary. But folks, I want you to know. I don't want any of us to use that name amiss. What do I mean? I mean, we want the power of the name of Jesus without following the example of Jesus. And, and that, that is never a recipe to win. We want his might. We want his dominion. We want his authority. We want his abundance in our lives, right? Without submitting to his lordship in our own lives. We want a king to make our lives better here on earth instead of a king whose kingdom is eternal, not temporal. And I want to read to you um, Philippians chapter 2. This portion, this portion that I'm going to read is a beautiful hymn, actually, um, that, the, that the Apostle Paul included here. It tells us so much about surrender of power 
and of preferences. Verse five says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Okay, we have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who made his abode with us, the word became flesh and dwelt with us. And he wasn't, he wasn't fighting for his own rights and his own privileges. He divorced himself of that and made no reputation for himself here on earth. He was focused on serving, not being served. Let me keep reading. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ, God manifests in flesh. Jesus Christ, he humbled himself in such a way that he became servant to all. And if we want the power that comes with the name of Jesus, Jesus showed us. He showed us the path to that. He showed us that it requires surrendering ourselves first. So as we seek to apply this message in our lives. We've got, to, we've got to search our hearts and say, God, what is it you're calling me to do? What is it you're calling me to sacrifice? How are you calling me to surrender? How are you calling me to love differently? I think that we, we really need, when we, hear, when we hear things like this, we need to make a personal commitment to say, God, uh, right now in this moment, I want you to change me. I want you to show me the things I need to change, the ways I need to grow, what this looks like right now. And so I think it's very appropriate for us to ask those questions. If I want to apply the life that Jesus lived, what? how would I apply that in my own life right now? What would that look like? And so I'll tell you, we've got to live in such a way that pursues truth in love. We must always pursue truth in love. That means we put others ahead of our own agenda. Remember, it's not just about being right. It's about having a right spirit. We find ways to serve others. You, you, can, you can be right, but miss the mark. You can be right and miss the point because you are living in such a way that you're only self-serving. We've got to find a way to serve others. I've got to begin my day reflecting on the love that I have for God, the love that God has for me. Soak all of that up that I can. And then I need to ask him to help me love and serve others throughout that day. You know, in John 13, Jesus showed us how to prioritize our responsibilities over our rights. His love compelled him to serve his disciples in such a powerful way. They came in um, to the home there 
And for whatever reason, there was no one there to wash the feet when they entered. And um, it's part of that culture. You have to understand the roads were not clean. They had, they had um, open sandals. The feet were very dirty. They sat on the floor and ate reclining. Their feet were a lot more prominent in meals than, than ours are. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Um, and so uh, at that moment, there, here, here is God manifest in flesh, humbling himself as a servant. And he said, I will do for you what you refuse to do for each other. He's telling them by his actions um, and, and by his words, he, he further uh, solidified the point that he was making. He was washing their feet to extend grace to them. Grace, again, that, that was not within them to share. Um, here's the king of glory with a basin and a towel, focusing on his calling, not his rights. Focusing on the eternal kingdom, not the temporal. Focusing on his responsibilities as a believer, not his rights as a citizen of this nation. Here was our Lord and Savior giving us the perfect example of how we balance rights and responsibilities. Here's how we do that. We use our rights. We use those things afforded to us. We use our privileges. We use all of those things and we use them to serve others. We use them in a responsible way that measures our speech, it measures our actions, and it gives us this worldview that we can make steps that are actionable every day in how we serve our brothers and sisters, how we serve God by how we serve others. Lord, I pray that you help us focus on our calling right now, our calling in you. I pray that for every person hearing this right now. I am so grateful I want you to know I am so grateful for the freedoms that I've been granted here right now in my lifetime. They are more than I could ever deserve. And I don't want my rights as a believer to be infringed upon by any person or any entity. However, I am called to live in such a way that exalts God's kingdom over my own rights, my own desires, my own preferences. And God is calling each one of us to that. And so in this season of shouting and raging and anger and my rights and what is due me, if we could just take a step back, if we could take a step back in this moment, and if we could look to Philippians chapter 2 and see the humility that our Lord possessed, we can look to John chapter 13 and we could see the basin and we could see the towel. I, I pray if you can get a hold of that. I promise you, when when you are in conflict with someone else or you are in opposition to, to something someone else is saying to you, I promise you God will turn that situation around in your heart because he will help you see them through eyes of love. He will help you see that situation in such a powerful way because you're looking through the eyes of a servant a person who serves rather than a person who lives unto themselves. Let's pray.
Dear God, we humble ourselves right here before you right now. We are so grateful for the beautiful, Lord, the humbling example that you have lived before us. We are so grateful for every step that you took in this life that you lived to show us the path to greatness. It was not seeking our own. It was not our own rights. It was your path. It was your surrender. It was your humility. And so God, we humble ourselves right now. Forgive us for seeking our own ways. Help us focus on your goodness and your mercy and your grace. And we will give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to try to find a way the rest of this week to seek the good of your brother or your sister. Lighten someone's load. Focus on how you can use your rights to lift the load of someone else around you. God bless you. Have a great week. I love you.